are geek-centric, and you can be too. Welcome to the Geek Centric Podcast, and welcome to our special Behind the Geeks episode for Mud 79, a fan made Star Wars story presented by Fearless Fred. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geek Centric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things geek centric. As I mentioned, today's episode is for Mud 79, a fan made Star Wars story presented by Fearless Fred, which is available on all podcast feeds. And joining me today is the creator, the writer, the producer, the narrator he's the fantastical he is the fabulous friend of the show fearless fred how are you sir i'm good man i'm good how are you today i'm can i just say you're so much taller in real life than i expected you to be (laughs) you're a tall guy i'm a little guy like you're a giant dude i'm a tiny guy and when i met you i was like whoa you're so much taller than i expected you to be in real life it's amazing what's it like up there (laughs) i know I, i actually uh when I was in LA, uh, someone I, I ran into says like, there's not a lot of people in, in, in this whole press world that's uh, as, as tall as me or taller than me. And you're, you're pushing it, bro. You're pushing it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I yeah. felt, uh, felt like a giant. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. We, we did get to meet in person uh, at, uh, in Newmarket, uh, yes. store Wayside. Uh, great. The, little honestly, comic. that is one of the coolest shops ever. If you're coming through the GTA yeah. uh, and, and, and that shop is available to you to go to a signing at, go it is just like it's the, the speakeasy kind of bar yeah. with cocktails and it's just a it's such a cool shop a ramon perez who's another local creator i was telling him i'm like dude you gotta go and he yeah. went and he was like this is the type of shop that i've always dreamed of having and i'm like yeah. it's so it's a, such a good idea yeah it's it's such a brilliant way to adapt the idea of like comic book culture for the sort of geeky adult uh, nerds, you know, they have movie yeah. nights. They have obviously uh, specialized cocktails there. They sell comic books. They sell toys as well, figures and and so on. They have yeah. they have everything. And yeah, they're they're in Newmarket, so it's very much a uh, a new vibe uh, for yeah. for Main Street. And definitely the the sort of uh, taking the the concept of a, a comic book store and, and flipping it on its head and really adapting it. Omar is he's such a gem, and and, and he's he's and he's just such a geek. At heart, and we have no financial vested interest in this. Exactly, to make this clear. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like we're not sponsored by them. We don't. We don't have any investments. Yeah, it was just like there. That's a very cool yeah. store, man. For it's sure. very cool. For sure. But it was. It was the first time we actually had a chance to talk uh, more. Uh, in person uh, on a lengthy basis because uh, uh, we've met at Fan Expo a couple times. I've, yeah, yeah, I ran yeah. Into that's you. just passing. Everyone's yeah. busy. Yeah, people got things to do. Yeah, yeah. Man. But we actually got to chat, and I got to chat with you and Nick uh, for because you there were both there uh, promoting Dead Romans, uh, which yeah. we'll talk about in a little bit. Because you know, I, I got to say, Fred, this is this has been your year, man. This has been yeah. your year of of, yeah. of stuff. Like you're, yeah. you're doing the thing, right? So last yeah. time you were on this show, we were talking about dead Romans, uh, your comic book series with image comics, uh, which has now wrapped. Uh, and yeah. we, are, we are now, we, we are now completed the, the six issue run of, yeah. uh, of, of, but I there's guess, a the, se- there's a second arc coming. Oh, there's a second arc. Come. We'll talk yes. about that in a sec. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk, talk about, about that. that. <laughs> Yeah. But today you're here to talk about something that, uh, you know, 
is very near and dear to the geek centric yeah. pot, the geek centric family. And that's star Wars with your yes. star Wars fiction uh, fan. I guess it would be a fan fiction that's story. A, yeah, that's what I call it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So. Well, I was going to, I was going to do an intro, but I would love to, to, for you to, to do the intro because I feel like you would be able to articulate it best. What is mud 79? It's an old school radio drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a radio drama, but it's a fan made radio drama. And, and I, it's, a completely different take on Star Wars. First of all, it's a story told from the Imperial perspective. And I realize that as soon as you say that, that gets people's like their, their hackles are up when you say that. But if you listen to, it's not what you think it is. It is very different than what you think it is. Um, and uh, I wanted to do something that I could just do on my own. Uh, when you write a comic, you need an artist to do the, the majority of the work when you're writing they do the majority of the work, but with a, an audio drama, that's my day job. So my day job is in radio and I started as a, a radio producer, like uh, producing commercials and audio stuff before I was ever on the air. And so I, you, I did the majority of the work with this. Like I wrote it, I got a cast. There's more than 106 people that are part of the cast uh, playing various characters. Um, and the story is set five years after the Clone Wars. And it follows, it's, it's written, it's told as a memoir. And it's this guy named Solomon Kwai who joins the Imperial Army when he's 16 years old because he lives on a backwater farming world. He doesn't want to be a farmer. Uh, he, he's not a good mechanic. Uh, and he's not a good enough pro limmy player to go pro. So his options are be a farmer, work on the, work on the launch pads, dealing with the freighters that come in and out. And he's like, I don't want to do any of that. And he sees the Imperial Army as an escape. And the idea came from a, from a few sources. The biggest influences, I think, were the Vietnam documentary by Ken Burns, which sounds like a weird pull. But if you know anything about Star Wars, you know that when George uh, was writing the... I say George like we're friends. We go way back. <laughs> uh, but, but like when he was working on the original trilogy, it was an yeah. analogy for the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Also in Solo, I love Solo way more than a lot. I I love all Star Wars. That's the thing is like, even if I'm not really enjoying it, there's aspects I love. Mm -hmm. I always love it. But Solo in particular, the scene that gets me is when he, first of all, it's the introduction of Mud Troopers. It's the first, the big thing with Mud Troopers who I love because they're like the regular army of the Imperial War Machine. Um, And when Han is leaving the planet, how does he get off? He joins the army and Mm -hmm. that combined with the Ken Burns Vietnam doc, which I had watched the two of them around the same time. I was like, there's a real synergy there, man. Mm -hmm. Those two things go very easily together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think what I love about it is like, and I'll preface to, to our listeners. I haven't listened to everything. I've listened to majority of season one and I'm getting through season two. You've done a lot of work and we'll, we'll talk about all that work. But uh, what I love about it is exactly what you've described. It's, it is so rich with inspiration from the same, um, the same palette of what inspired star Wars, right? We, We have the Vietnam influence, but we also have this sort of, uh, the radio drama that feels so Orson Welles, uh, you know, classic, classic stories. Through That's the, radio. the nicest thing you can say. <laughs> yeah, it's no, one dude. of the greatest things ever. <laughs> but it's obviously, it's obviously so much more elevated because of what we're, what we're able to, what you're able yeah. to at, at your disposal. Like you have incredible amounts of sound effects and sound design that builds out this world that literally 
paints a picture in your mind as you're listening to it. And that that labor of love is just is throughout every episode. So you you're, know, you're lucky because you got to see the mix down. I showed you the actual yeah, exactly. mix down files. Yes. Of, and it's 21 tracks deep. And, like it's 21 tracks oh my of gosh. audio. And I'm I'm like as as a video editor, like I'm usually using like, you know, I don't even have that many tracks going at once, depending on what I'm doing. So there's there's a lot of work that you've put into this but what i what i absolutely adore is the commitment to the story the sort of yeah. commitment to filling out the characters and and telling telling this 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 sort of again very pocketed story within star wars so I, you know I, I you kind of touched on it you know the the mud troopers almost a kind of like a, a i guess you could say an allegory for like the lowest of low in this term exactly that's what he even says he goes we were the lowest of the low we were mud that's, and yeah we watch Star Wars. I love Star Wars. You yep. love Star Wars. But um, it tends to be Star Wars deals with the generals, mm-hmm. you know, the, the big people that make things happen. And it's rare that you, they ever, like, get in the trenches with people. And they, they did this a lot with Clone Wars and Rebels. They did it more than anything else. I mm-hmm. still say Rebels is my favorite Star Wars of all. I'm with you. Uh, yeah. But I want to track back to the audio stuff, uh, specifically for in terms of how it ties into Star Wars. The audio production aspect, mm-hmm. when good audio is visual, if that yes. makes any sense. Like no, good I, audio yeah. is visual. Mm-hmm. It, and there was a line in that video gaming documentary, High Score, where this Japanese audio producer, like from the beginning, like some games didn't have audio. And he had this line, and, and I think he was with Taito, Taito Gaming. And he said, he goes, good, like sound is confirmation. <laughs> right. So sound is confirmation. When you say something's going to happen, mm-hmm. hearing it makes it happen in mm-hmm. your brain. And when I went to, um, I got, I was very lucky. Mm-hmm. Of my one of my big, one of my big nerd feathers is that I was at the grand opening of Galaxy's Edge. Yes, like, I've seen their, some of that footage. Actually, yeah. I didn't realize after, but you you got to you got to be there for the opening. I cried, dude. I totally <laughs> cried. I totally <laughs> cried. And, and so. Like I was, I, I was, I'll be honest. I was into my cups. I was drinking. Right. I was having a great time. Open right. bar, dude. Yeah. And I was having a wild time. And, and I think I was drinking cause I was nervous. Like you're, you're right. hanging around and it's like, Oh, there goes Brie Larson. She just walks by. Oh, there's Chris Hemsworth. And yeah. no, there's no security. No yeah. one's separate. Everyone's just a star Wars fan. Yeah, exactly. like everyone's in this crowd together. And so when George Lucas is like standing on stage, like, it's like, oh my God, oh my God. And he goes, he goes, and he talks about how now we're all able to go to a galaxy far, far away. And then when Harrison Ford punches the side of the Millennium Falcon, he goes, this one's for you, Peter. And he punches it. And then the whole thing lights up, the orchestra goes, and then the fireworks. I'm like, I'm crying. Like I'm emotional. I'm a wreck. Yeah. But it's totally tied, sidetracked. There, but the, the you get it. Yeah, oh, I get the, it, dude. I would. I when would I was be there, tears. <laughs> we got to do a tour. We got to do a tour behind the scenes, and I talked to one of the audio producers. And this is what's interesting about Galaxy's Edge. When you go into Galaxy's Edge, you're transitioning from one park to another, mm-hmm. and when you go, they've got the speakers lined up in a way so that all of a sudden you don't hear the stuff that's going on behind you. All of a sudden you hear like an X-wing fly overhead. Mm-hmm. You hear speeder bike zip off mm-hmm. in the distance and it's always just around the corner and the audio is all tracked. So everywhere you're going, it's very immersive. And I got to talk to one of the engineers and he said, at any given moment, you're listening to approximately 50 plus pieces of audio. 
And, and I, and, and as I'm listening to them, like, and then I started asking him questions because I was already tinkering with the idea of mud, right? Like all the way back in like 2018. Mm -hmm. And then after going to galaxy's edge, I remember I, we went there a few months later with our, my friends that I grew up with that were all star Wars fans. And we brought our kids and we all went and I was talking with them. And one of my buddies that I, I love star Wars with, he was like my go to the theater to watch star Wars friend. He goes, mm -hmm. you got to do this. He goes, you got to tell it. He goes, it's so unique and it's so different. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, that storyline with the characters was that I, there's, this disconnect and lack of empathy for the people on the other side. And there's this idea to paint them as just monsters. And I think that's the idea of putting the mask on. It dehumanizes them. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the mud troopers for the first time you're seeing their faces and you're seeing them scream and you're seeing them be terrified. And it's like, they are people like they're not stormtroopers. They're people just like you and me. And we don't know what led them to be in there. Because there's all these stories in the expanded universe about conscription and bringing people into the ranks and the empire shows up and people have to join. And they're really starting to touch on that stuff in like shows like Andor Rebels and all that. But when I watched the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary, there's a very fascinating moment with this guy. And he talks about how his father fought in the Second World War and they were heroes. They went and they were heroes. And all of his friends that he drinks at the Legion with in the Veterans Hall, they're all guys he fought with. And his cousins fought in Korea. And they were heroes, you know? Mm -hmm. They did the right thing. So when Vietnam happened, and JFK does the ask not what your country can do for you, like it's Camelot. He's mm -hmm. like, it's the call. I have to go. And then he gets there. And he's like, this is not... <laughs> what I thought I was signing up for. Mm -hmm. And if you're, and if when you're reading, not reading, when you're listening to the story, I really wanted the, the narrator Solomon Kwai to explain to you as the listener. And he opens it. The very first line is my name is Solomon Kwai. When I was 16 years old, I joined the Imperial army. And if that upsets you, it's because you didn't have the same opportunity. You may have different opportunities than I did. And that is a such a common trait with all these guys that went to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. All these guys signed on the line thinking something was going to happen to them. And then it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And it happened in Iraq and it happens in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. and It happens all the time. And we have this predisposition to dump on these people that go and do these things for even thinking that they should have gone when we haven't walked in their shoes. And then mm -hmm. when they're there, they're just trying to get out of there alive. Now that's not excusing these things that can happen in these places, but the character Solomon Kwai and the friends that he has are all very much just trying to get out of there. And I, and I took real care to give them a really good moral center. Cause my dad is a lifer in the, was a lifer in the military. And he said that, and this happens in that Vietnam doc too, is like what makes or breaks a platoon is the leadership. Yeah. And so I needed to ensure that if these characters were sympathetic, despite fighting for the empire, they had to have someone who would in a plausible fashion, make us as the listener who loves star Wars still like them. And that's why their Lieutenant Dev Orto is a clone because mm -hmm. we love the clones. Like yeah, exactly. We, we're conditioned to like the clones, yeah. you know? And then, uh, he keeps them 
he keeps them straight and narrow. Like he doesn't like the, there's a line that I use, which I blatantly stole from the Vietnam doc was when this guy goes, I never told, I never commanded my men to run. I commanded them to follow. And he was always at the front. And that's what Orto does. Like Dev Orto, the, who got his name because of a battle he was at. Mm-hmm. Um, he never tells them to run. He tells them to follow, stay on me. Yep. And he demands the best of them and he keeps them very disciplined. And slowly as the story's going along, you're starting to see that not everybody is like him in the Imperial Army. And the main characters are starting to realize that even though they are a very effective combat unit, they're still very sheltered to what's going on, yes. you know? And in the third season, but I've, I've really laid some sprinkles about what's coming in the third season during as the second one moved along. But in the third season, any... Uh, any illusions of what he's doing on this planet are gone. It'll really? all fall apart. Yeah. Wow. And, and I'm, I'm, I mean, like you said, it's been a busy year, so I'm like, I'm trying to get things done. No, for sure. But it's good. It, the, the production part is the hard part. Man. Oh, of That's course. It takes the longest. Oh, yeah. for sure. So like, again, you know, you've, you've, I loved all of the sentiments that you just talked about here. You know, there's just so much that, that sticks with the sort of inspiration and the origin of, you know, a, where the idea comes from, but also B, how it fits into Star Wars, right? Yeah. So you brought up like Clone Wars, Rebels, and Andor, which all, all kind of show both sides of yeah. good and bad, uh, you know, the Rebels, you know, the bad that can exist within the Rebellion, also the bad and the good that can exist within those who might question their their leadership yeah. on, on the sense of, of the Empire. Have those things, have those shows like even now with Andor being out, I'm sure yeah. you were, you were really deep into season two while Andor was coming out. Did, did it, influence it was you? written. It was written. I had, yeah. Oh, hundred okay. percent. I had written my producer, uh, Dila has, has said several times that she believes that somebody was listening to the first season of mud when they were working on the second season of Mandalorian. Cause these came out like yeah. it started coming out like, like 2020 was when we did the first season. And I wrote the second season right after that. Yeah. And so it went right to the other. And the time frame was something that was very crucial to me because it's set five years after the Clone Wars. Yeah. So the empire, according to, and that's, this is new Canon. Mm-hmm. The empire was in its period of expansion. So right. there was all kinds of, and they talk about this in Andor as well. Mm-hmm. There were all kinds of planets that were loosely allied with the Republic. But when Palpatine came in, you're with us, you fly the flag, or you're against us, mm-hmm. that's it. Yep. And that's why, like in Andor, the beginning is the guys like, don't make waves, mm-hmm. because we are very lucky to be as independent as we are. And when they come in, it's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. So in this setting, the main character, his family fought for the Republic. So for him, the Empire is just a new flag. That's mm-hmm. all he says. He goes, it's just a different flag. <clears throat> and he makes a point about saying that the the Republic was doing all the same things that the Empire was doing. Mm-hmm. But like it, it's just not talked about. The Republic was constantly at war. The Republic was... Con- and they t- touch on this on the that one, the animated shorts one. I forget what it was called. Tales of the Jedi. Tales of the Jedi, yeah. With Dooku. Dooku, yeah. like... And in my head, I'm like, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching it, I felt so vindicated, you know? Because he, he, he comes to this understanding and this mindset of the Empire isn't good. Mm-hmm. And the Republic maybe is better, but the Republic's uh, corruption creates 
a setting where people can think something like the empire is good when it's not. And he goes, and, and that's that slowly, that's the mind frame that the main character comes, but there's all kinds of people that he meets that have very different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And there's a character you meet in the, in the second season. And she is a fervent believer in the empire and her reasons for believing in the empire are very simple. She's lived on this planet where the administration was corrupt mm-hmm. and their village was constantly getting attacked by raiders and slavers, but the raiders and slavers were paying off the right people to ensure that nothing was done about it. Right. And when the empire comes in, it's like, no, 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 no. there's raiding and slavery, but we decide who gets exactly. to do it, not yeah. you. Yeah. So for her, the empire coming in solved all of her problems. Right. And that for her, it's a very simple black and white situation. Like they suck. These guys are great. Life has been so good for us since they got here. Why would I not love them? Yeah. So he meets people that have these different perspectives mm-hmm. than him as he moves along. And I, I, that is something that I, I feel that Star Wars is starting to do a lot more of. And The Last Jedi, I think, was the first time that I really saw them hit it on the head when Benicio Del Toro has that line. It's the same people making weapons for both exactly. sides. Yeah. And I remember when I watched it, like there was things about that movie, of course, I didn't like. But that is one of my all-time favorite yes. Star Wars moments, period, yeah. end of story. Yeah. Like, people dump on that scene saying it's pointless. And I'm like, that's the crux of the whole movie, sure. that scene. That, yeah. and, that and the Yoda scene, for sure, about, you know, learning from failures. And, and that, mm. you know, th- there there are some moments in The Last Jedi. We, we could probably get into that. But uh, Nate's not here to defend it, so. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to dump on it. I would never. I'm not a big. Oh, I'll dump, dump on I, it. I, I, <laughs> I used to be that guy, too. Yeah. I used to be really easy to dump on things. And now I sure. feel like I'm like. I'm Homer when he's the food critic. I'm yeah. always like, it's so good. I love it so much. It's the best. I no, just but it, talk about what I like. Yeah, exactly. And 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 that makes it a lot easier. But I think you're right. Like, I think the reason why it's so interesting with, with what you're doing with Mud 79 is that it actually really does fit into the trajectory of what's happening within Star Wars. Yeah. This, this constant conversation about who's right, who's wrong. It really is a point of perspective. It is the life that you've led before that really makes you see this the galaxy differently and yeah i think something like like uh mud 79 is just adding to that conversation it's continuing that conversation it's it's definitely i wanted to (laughs) and i think it i think it's great and you know you touched on the idea of you know maybe someone was listening do you know if anyone from from lucasfilm is 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 this on their radar are they aware i know that somebody i know that there are people at Disney that are aware of it because I've been contacted by people from Disney before. Awesome. Um, and, th- and I, I even like, at, cause this is somebody that I used to deal with a lot when I was doing like a lot of Teletoon stuff. Right. And I asked them if, if I was going to get in trouble and they're like, you're like giving us loads of free advertising. Yeah. And you're, and he goes, you're never, you have never done anything but talk about your love of the franchise and you're not making money off of this. He goes, no one's going to get mad. He goes, you're, you're, celebrating it he goes the fan community is huge i i am like i do i do get frustrated um with the fan community in certain senses it feels like as soon as you say you're doing like a fan made thing there's this like it it degrades it and it's like it's like it's fan made but this is what we all do for a living like everyone that's a performer is like a professional Mm -hmm. we're all just doing sort of a labor of love you know what i mean well it's it gets i wish 
I could get it out there more. You know? But dude, you like I'm bl- like you've been on top of Apple Podcasts like as a recommended for for the last little while. Yeah, you guys have I, you guys have have scored massive reviews on yeah. Apple Podcast as well, which means it's never enough. Man. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but like, yeah. I guess the next evolution really like. Like, like what if, like, just again, a what if situation, Lucasfilm did come and they say, you know, we would take love it. to I'd be like, take it. It's all really? yours. Just let me write on it. That's all exactly. I want to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I think, again, I think, um, you know, you, you've had, you have such a, a tenure experience with, you know, obviously working in media, but you, you've written a lot of comic books. So, you know, I, and, and then you're a Star Wars fan as well. So it's like the two kind of influence each other, which yeah. must make this a joy to kind of bring to life. Oh my God. It, I absolutely love telling the story because it's such a unique little pocket. It's a little pocket. And, and I think that what was really important was to me is like, I didn't want to have Jedi involved. And yeah. if you're listening, the first season feels like I maybe am, am breaking my own first rule. But once you listen to it and get to mm. the end, you realize that I maybe not, I'm bending the rules a little bit, yeah. but I don't. And I follow the canon and I'm not inventing things. I'm not creating new things. Like the weapons that they're all using are the weapons that were allocated to those specific units based on the time that they were fighting in. And, I think one of the biggest uh, like influences in terms of the, the structure and the way things would all work is I read a really cool book, uh, a, a memoir called um, Blood Red Snow. And it's a book about the Ost Front, the Eastern Front in the Second World War. And it's written by this guy who was in the German army. Um, and he was a machine gunner. And he talks about like the transitioning of weapons and gear and how their unit wasn't uh like an ss unit so they just got all the hand-me-downs is basically what they were given because they weren't important enough right and so the mud troopers one of the things that becomes a real constant in the second season in particular is we always need people volunteering to clean weapons Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so like everyone pulls shifts in the armory cleaning weapons repairing gear because all of our gear is garbage Mm -hmm. and then they'll go to like a base where it's where they're, they've got their show bases where they want to shock and awe the locals, you know? And then they'll go there and be like, man, everything's so clean. Mm-hmm. It's so good here. <laughs> it's so great. And they're always blown away by the good stuff. And then they go back to where they're fighting and it's like, ah, oh, terrible resupply. Like, like nothing works. Like it's all garbage, you know? Mm-hmm. Their lardies that they use are refurbished rehack models. Like, some of them don't even have weapons. Some of them have like stuff that doesn't work on them, but that's all they got. Mm-hmm. Come on guys, go out there and fight. <laughs> so all those elements were things that I wanted to incorporate because those are, those are the real world things that people like you and me pay attention to yep. when we're there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I wanted that tactile nature of their gear and, their bunks and the way they sleep and the way they live and when they eat, all those things are really important uh, for these young soldiers. Cause they're all like teenagers they're yeah. like in their late teens, early twenties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They don't have the, you know, the wherewithal that we do. They feel like they're invincible and, yep. but slowly they break and some of them have some real mental problems that develop along. Like one of the main characters gets yeah. really dark. Well, yeah, I was going to say like, um, again trickling back into sort of the real world aspects talking about the ptsd of war and and what yeah. that looks like and the way uh every soldier wears it um and what's great too is there's such a diversity 
amongst your amongst your cast you know you have men and female uh, male and female actors because uh, of course it's it's 2023 and yeah. it's star wars uh yeah, and, yeah. and even just different ethnicities and and so on so i think that that's that again it it, it kind of brings all together this idea of like celebrating and I didn't um, want anyone hiding their accents in it. For sure, I, I was yeah. I was very vocal about that. Don't hide your accent. For sure, don't feel the all... need because because like for all these people, like Galactic Basic wouldn't be their first language. For sure. So and th- that to me that adds a first of all it, from a production standpoint, it's better because mm-hmm. <laughs> it yep. makes it easier to distinguish who's talking. But secondly, it, it's more plausible. The yep. plausibility factor for me is something that I, I get frustrated with in Star mm-hmm. Wars all the time. Right. Like, so that was something I wanted to address in this yeah. as well. The, the issue with like drugs and alcohol come up constantly. They're constantly yep. drinking and they're constantly Spice, smoking. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah. 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 They're drinking Des- and they're, they're drinking and they're smoking. Yeah. 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 Cause they smoke. <laughs> so I did some reading about that. Like yeah. tobacco sticks yeah. is something that is used often. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of fallen out of favor. But to me, like, find me a Vietnam photo. Where they're not smoking darts. Oh yeah, Just, <laughs> yeah, constantly. War they're photos, all, all every every war photo that I can yeah. recall, soldiers are smoking, right? So, so in, in Vietnam, so the infantry when they're on patrol, a lot of them would put they'd light cigarettes and then they would put them inside the bands of their helmets because the smoke would keep mosquitoes away. And so all these little things were things that I was like, I can't incorporate that. Nah, I don't need to incorporate that. <laughs> but that's and cool, so they, though, that you thought yeah, about it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, like legitimately, these are the things that I'm thinking about. And so when I was tr- when I was talking to my dad about uh, what I need to do to really like create the, for somebody who's serving, there's this group of guys that are in the French foreign legion that like mm-hmm. message me about it all the time. It's amazing. Oh wow! But my dad was saying, he goes, he goes, soldiers complain about their boots more than anything. He goes, and when we got these, he's like in the, in the late nineties, they switched the boots that we were wearing as soldiers. And it was one of the greatest days of my life. He goes, when we got these new boots, he goes like, it changed. Like he goes, I had problems with my hip. My hip problems went away. He goes, the, the art support was so incredible. They're so comfortable. They're just the best boots ever. And so in the season, he complains about so much, but he consistently he goes, the best thing the Empire ever did was these boots. Those are the best <laughs> boots that I've ever worn in my life. They're the greatest thing ever. Yeah. They may have skimped on a lot of stuff, but these were the best boots that I've ever worn. And so that was a direct line from my father That's that I amazing. incorporated into it. Yeah. That's amazing. I love I love that, that influence. And I love that, that you know, uh, people are reaching out to you that probably are have have gone to war or have gone through experiences yeah. that have listening to this and even though it's fiction they they can find some sort of connection to it because it's it's drawing from a very real place for them and their experiences so that's that's incredible um you know we've we've talked about the, obviously putting this this project together and and sort of the sound design and and so on so what's your process like obviously like you got to write the story right but yeah. like like okay, so so season one, if I'm not mistaken, is it was smaller in terms of episodes, right? Yeah, it was, it was ten episodes. Ten no, episodes, 12, 12, yeah, twelve episodes. Twelve yeah. episodes. But yeah. now here with season two, you've got something like what, like twenty? Twenty. Okay, so you've doubled. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. I, I was trying to think of hours. Is it like it's like it's not? Is it? It's about twenty three hours long. Okay, altogether. Cool. all yeah, thirty two episodes are about twenty three hours. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So. You know, you've doubled up your your episodes, which means you've increased your workload significantly. Yeah. Um, but when you're writing the story and writing it from episode to episode, do you do you sort of like have like a 
again, like 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 most Star Wars things, you you know where you're ending. Is it just a matter of working towards that, and what elements come into play when? Like, how do you how do you block that, if you will? I knew there were some things I wanted to do, um, and the big thing was have this this. I wanted it to be a war that nobody cared about. That mm. was the, the the thing that I wanted to do is like a it's war that Vietnam. nobody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. War no one cares about. Yeah. Like it's just like the a war that no one cares about that is being fought for one reason publicly, but in private is really being fought for another reason. Right. Um, and what is that reason? Well, it depends how cynical you are. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so I came up with that idea and I rewrote I rewrote him getting to the planet Sestin four like five or six times because mm-hmm. I knew when I, I needed to establish that he's fighting for the empire and I need him to establish, I needed to humanize that aspect of why he's fighting for the empire in a way that doesn't excuse what the empire is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I needed to make sure that I painted him with enough youthful ignorance but not make him sound like a moron that we don't care about. So I wanted to give him a lot of real personality to establish who he is. Like by the time he lands on the planet, the first planet, you know who he is. And he is just like a classic teenage guy who's hepped up on testosterone and a feeling of invincibility and thinks that he's, doing the right thing Mm -hmm. you know he's got it all figured out Mm -hmm. his dad said don't join the army dad you don't even know what you're talking about man yeah it's like he's got it all figured out and he's like he's kind of a dick but he's not an asshole if that makes any sense right right yeah like he's because you're in that environment i worked on army bases like in most of my teenage years Mm -hmm. and like there's a definite brash nature to these guys uh, when they're especially when they're going through training and it the training is designed to not to break you but to push, push you, you further yeah. than you think you can go mm-hmm. and so a lot of these guys like and it's not just dudes as women too they get like chippy and they they push each other around and they fight all the time like and it's like they're just letting off steam but it's not like they're fighting because they don't like each other they're fighting and then they come together back afterwards it's this very sibling mentality mm-hmm. And so that aspect of it, and he talks about how when he goes, he's like, we fought and we drank and we beat the shit out of each other. It was the greatest time of my life. Yeah. Like he goes, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And he, and he talks about how he's like, they're constantly fighting mm-hmm. with each other, but no one's shooting at them. And they know they're all together. And no matter what happens, they're together, like mm-hmm. they're together. They bleed the same blood. They're all together. And it's like, he's meeting people that are from other planets. He's meeting from people that are other species. Um, and it was a really cool vibe for him. So once I had that done, that is when I planned out the rest of the story. And I knew that there was going to be a clone for their Lieutenant to give them this moral compass that we, as the listener would appreciate. And it was like peppering the characters that he would meet along the way. Mm -hmm. And I knew that there was going to be a point where there's a transition from just uh, a patrol unit to an active combat unit. Like they are engaging with the enemy. And that is when there's a big transition. I don't want to give away what happens in the end of the first season. I won't. Yeah. But after that, things get even darker. You know, like the season ends. The season ends and then the next scene is the beginning of the second season. Mm -hmm. Like it leads right in. It's it's very seamless. 
Um, and so I had this all planned out and then it was just a question of expanding it and putting meat on the bones. Like there's mm -hmm. a big scene in the, it's actually five episodes long. It's, uh, I wanted to have a Terracossi tournament. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to do that because something that the military in combat environments does all the time is to build that camaraderie and that esprit de corps but also let the soldiers did you watch Battlestar Galactica there was an episode called the dance and it was where the captain just to let steam off has a boxing tournament on the ship and anybody can call it anybody to step in the ring and it's like you get your grudges out he goes you get your grudges out he goes because you got to get it out now because if it, when when it hits the fan you don't want to have any of these things causing problems in the ranks right so they have this big Terracossi tournament for the whole 934th Legion to crown a legionary champion. Whoever the, the the company who that wins will all get a big bonus. So that means the company's all cheering for their team. You know what I mean? And they have it as this big focal point in the town so that all the locals can see this is the empire. We're the empire. Yeah. We're so good. And these are all things that were done in like not just Vietnam, but the second world war the first world war and it's yep. just a way of like getting everybody distracted giving them something to think about you know yeah. so and it's terracossi yeah. which i bought brand new <laughs> from zellers when it came out for my ps1 and like my friends hated it and i think i hated it too but i couldn't admit that i hated it so i had to talk like it was the best game because i'd i didn't rent it and play it i didn't go down to like jumbo and rent it and then buy it no, I bought it bareback because it's Star Wars. Ugh. Yeah, I was I like that name. I was you were just you were calling it. I was like, I know that name, so I'm just looking it up now. Yeah, it's a PS1 Dude, game. It's, it's, Masters it is of the as Jedi. bad as you think it is. It's, <laughs> it's called Terracossi. Yeah. Masters of the Terracossi. Masters it's a Star of the Terracossi fighting yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a virtual fighter clone. Yeah. with yeah. Star Wars, and it had Mara Jade in it, and like. <laughs> For those of us who like read all the expanded Fated novels books yeah. in the 90s, we're like, yes, this is the best thing ever. Oh my God. It's the only way those characters would ever, ever see some sort of form of, yeah, of, of yeah. materialization outside of the books, right? So, so I, and, and they mentioned Terracossi in, in Solo as well. Yep. They give it a yep. subtle mention. And so for me, I was like, oh, I got to get into it. So I like incorporate a lot of the, the cultural elements because initially Terracossi was. It's called the Steel Hand, and it's a combat art developed by the Mandalorians to combat Jedi. So, like, I kind of get all into it, and yeah, I don't want to give anything away, but no, I, please, like, yeah. I, that to me. Now, the last episode that came out, uh, it's called "It's a Big Crude one. Matter." Yeah, that's the biggest, beefiest piece of audio production yeah. I've ever done in my career. But I think my favorite sound design is in the Terracossi tournament because. The whole time when they're in the stands, you can hear like people in the stands going, I lost money on this guy. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Get up, get up, get up. And so there's <laughs> oh, all these great. people talking and yeah. there's like, they go through the markets and there's like the entrance music, the, the, like there's music playing in the background, the, the environment stuff for like them being in a, in a market. Like I loved doing that stuff. And it was, I found those episodes were a lot easier, but they sounded really cool. You wow. know? 
And then the combat one is like, oh my god, dude! Some of the stuff that you put in there, like it's just, it's crazy because like, like you were you referenced, you know, Galaxy's Edge, and at any given time when you're walking through, you're hearing like fifty plus sounds. Yeah, it, that's that's the sort of uh, that's layered, what I wanted. Yeah, that's this layered experience that you get when you listen to an episode of Mud. Is that it's it, it you you're hearing all of that textural noise like even if it's just like ships landing or doors opening yeah. and you know even if it's just like that that maybe like some uh, footsteps even just in, to a yeah. certain degree like there's just so much thought that goes into i had to pay it. a subscription to like a music service right so that i could get music to have yeah. music in the background because yeah. it sounded too empty so i had to put music in oh it works and it, though yeah, yeah so <laughs> dude i sunk so much money into just getting licensed music oh i i can i can only imagine and like the other thing too is like even just the way they start. Like each yeah. episode starts with, you know, this sort of. Uh, it, it just feels like you know you reference the, the Clone sort of Wars thing? stories. Yeah, and the Clone Wars. Like, so the, I classic the, Clone the Wars. guy that does that voice. His name yeah. is Adam Herdman. Yep, and he had never watched the Clone Wars, and he kept trying to give me this like professional like, no, I want you to sound like a talky radio thing. Yeah, and he goes. Goes, but that doesn't sound good. I'm like, you don't get it, Adam. This is Star Wars, okay? And so then I made him watch Clone Wars, and he's like, I Oh, across the galaxy, across War. the galaxy, War <laughs> yeah, is yeah, 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 yeah. No, I totally know. And it's always great how those, again, because and that's that's sort of where, again, a lot of that inspiration I can see where you're drawing from, and I don't know. It's just everything about what you're doing here with Mud Seventy Nine. It, you know, connecting back to Star Wars, connecting to real elements in in our own life of, with with you know, as you described Vietnam and just war and and soldiers and and what that looks like. It's just also relevant. So you know, I'm, I imagine you've been getting a lot of praise from from other from out, uh, you know other Star Wars fans in regards not as to... much as I'd like. Really, like, I th- it, it's it. Like I said, I think that there's a real. As soon as you say it's fan made, they don't like it. There's like they and it's like they, and I get it because there's a perception of what it is they think they're going to be listening to, but what they are getting is very different. And in fact, when I first launched it, I redid the whole first season. Yeah, like I did because the initial read. Um, was built around Scoot McNary's VO from Narcos Mexico. I don't know if you've seen Narcos Mexico, but when it opens, he, it shows this scene of like the the ending, but you don't get to see the ending ending. You see the beginning of the end and then a bunch of news footage. And he goes, I'm going to tell you a story, but I don't know how it ends. And the way he does it is this very dry, draw voice, but it works because there's visual. And without the visual, it just sounded really boring and sad. So I revoiced it. And my worry is that some people may have listened in the first season and just didn't like it. And then when I went back, I had all kinds of new tricks and I had all kinds of things that I learned learned. along the way. And then I redid those episodes. And then I started working on the second. And that second, I started working on it on January 14th. And I would work on, I'd, I'd wait until my wife was asleep. And I would come downstairs to my studio, um, which I'm in, by the way. When I say studio, it's really just a laptop with some speakers. It just sounds more professional. That's cool. But I, <laughs> so I'd come back down into this room, and then I would work on it. And I'd work on it from about 11.15 to around 1 in the morning. Wow. And I did that uh, from January. It was January 14th or 15th. It was the, the, That weekend is when I started. It was a Friday night. 
And I did that up until November 10th. So Jeez. that's like, like constantly, I was just constantly working on it, like five, six nights a week. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was about two weeks per episode for a turnaround. Some of them I could do quick. Yeah. Um, but some of them took longer. Um, yeah. So that one episode that came out, Crude Matter, that took about three weeks to do. And I was working on that on weekend afternoons, which is kind of like a no-no for me. Right. That was not my, I didn't want to get in the way of like family time, you know? For sure. Yeah. You got to, it's the work-life balance. I I totally get it. I, I'm still figuring it out. And my wife's always there to remind me if I'm, uh, you know. It'll happen though. You'll get it together. So, yeah. Uh, But, you know, again, you're, you're, you're wrapping season two Mm -hmm. uh, in, in the coming weeks uh, at, at the time of recording this. Um, I believe uh, all but the last three episodes, three, three episodes, three yeah. episodes. And these are three. These were the three that I had put the most planning into before I'd actually written it. Um, uh, Carlos Bustamante, uh, Bustamante, uh, yeah. formerly of the YTV here in Canada yep. and ET Canada, yep. um, who I adore as yes. a human being. Yeah. Massive Star Wars fan. He was a guy that I had talked. I talked to him about it when I was working on it, and because we'd see each other at work, mm-hmm. and I told him like I've got a character for you that you're gonna play, and I can't wait for you to be in it, but I'm not gonna get there for a long time. <laughs> and then when I finally got there, he gave me all of his audio and stuff, and he's just his character is so cool. It's a character that I've always wanted to see in Star Wars. Um, and there, he's built around uh, another character from the original series season of Narcos, and then he appeared in Narcos Mexico, uh, the CIA dude with the beard. Oh yeah, that who's... everybody is afraid of because yeah. they don't know who he's gonna who he's gonna side with at any given time. Yeah, sometimes he's siding with one cartel, sometimes he's siding with nobody. Right, and that is his character, and it's a character we have these two uh, purge troopers. Yeah, that appear in the series, voiced. Um, by Andrew Wheeler, uh, who's a comic book writer uh, and voice performer, and he did the Black Flamingo for Image. Right. And Heather Antos, former editor of all the Marvel comic properties, wow. she is red. She is red, and he is blue. And those two are like everyone's scared of them because mm-hmm. they're the Purge Troopers. We sort of painted as guys that were like augmented and enhanced, and mm-hmm. like just. They, he describes them once he sees one of them without their helmet and he talks about how their skin is like waxen. Like, and he refers to them as like deep, deep space freighter pilots that haven't seen the light of a sun in, in years. Yeah. And so they're on edge, they're terrifying, but even they are uneasy when they're around Captain Largo played oh, by Carlos. And that character Carlos. Is, yeah, I, I was super stoked to have him play that character. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear his voice. And you know, you're describing these uh purge troopers. You know, I always I always thought, you know, you know, death troopers, purge troopers, any of them really though they they all kind of feel like um uh work in pros- progresses or or even just extensions of what Vader absolutely yeah. was, right? Cuz he's very much augmented. So the way you're describing uh, a lot of of these, the way this, these purge troopers are, I think we haven't talked about the Inquisitor though. The, yeah, Inquisitor I, Tiberia. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to ask you, like, they, I know that there's an my Inquisitor favorite here. character. Yeah, my favorite one. So <laughs> I can't believe I forgot that. Uh, yeah. Voiced by my by buddy Tony. She was a radio producer and she worked um, at uh, Kiss in mm-hmm. Toronto. She now works at a 
reggaeton station in Kingston, Jamaica. She went back wow. to Jamaica. Yeah. And so she voices the she voices our Inquisitor. Inquisitor Tiberia is her name. Um, and I think I'm gonna this is controversy. Okay. I think out of everything that has been introduced in the new era of Star Wars, nothing is truer to the feeling of Star Wars and the intent of Star Wars, or is as cool as the Inquisitors, period, end of story. Yeah. And I say that because the Inquisitors, I think, are a metaphor for untreated mental health issues and drug addiction. And I say that because if you take a look at, and they talk about this in Jedi Fallen Order a lot, and Mm -hmm. I think that that, uh, I saw, I was playing that game right around when I was kind of like tinkering with what I was going to do. Um, the, they're low red level Jedi, they're low level Jedi, they're Padawan, um, they're Jedi that weren't super powerful and they managed to get captured and they're broken. Mm-hmm. The emperor breaks them. Mm-hmm. He makes them addicted to the dark side of the force, mm-hmm. meaning they can't survive without it. Mm-hmm. They need to spread fear. They need to spread hatred. Mm-hmm. They need to spread wanton violence and carnage everywhere. They need violence. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is what makes the dark side. It's like the dark side isn't evil, but it can be evil. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And they are junkies for the dark side. Right. And there's my the episode where I felt like I've really I'm the episode where I wrote that I felt like, man, I think I've really done something cool and unique here. It's episode seven. And episode seven involves them helping an inquisitor and uh, the two purge troopers run a rapid assault and ambush on a safe house for secessionist activity, secessionist activity. And I got the idea from talking. I was working on this one comic book years ago uh, that involved some stuff happening in uh, Afghanistan. And I Mm -hmm. interviewed a lot of these guys from the JTF, JTF, the joint task force. These are special forces guys. And then infantry guys, like regular infantry guys that were serving in Afghanistan. And they talked about how, they never saw the JTF guys. They never saw them around. They were never anywhere. He goes, when they rolled in, they rolled in and he goes, and you'd have a guy who's like a master corporal or a sergeant telling a captain what was going to happen. And there was no questioning them. They rolled in. Rank didn't matter. They told them what was happening. And then they're going to tell you, you're going to go here. You're going to go here. You're going to have my back. You're going to have her back. We're going in. You be where you are. Because if you fall behind, we're not coming back for you. Keep up. And so this episode was built around those interviews that I had done. And I show the Inquisitor doing what an Inquisitor does. And this is the moment when all of the characters that are newbies, because they call them fresh gray. When they're fresh gray, they're new. But there are guys in their unit that have seen this type of thing before, like one of them. Uh, Sergeant Husto, the medic, who's voiced by uh, comic book creator Michael Walsh, who worked, who did the comic book adaptation for The Last Jedi. Yeah. His character has seen this type of thing before, and he's grabbing guys being like, 
don't get in their way. Like yeah. these are bad. These guys are bad news, man. You stay away. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where the main character, and I tried to do this as best I could, goes in after what the Inquisitor has done in this building. Mm-hmm. And he talks about this line. He goes, it was like she was a child playing with her food. That's how he describes the carnage that has happened after the Inquisitor has gone through. Wow. And I've tried to impart like, and then I was thinking like, if you, because most people, there's only like, there was only 10,000 Jedi in a galaxy of trillions. Right. There's a lot of people that probably doubt Jedi even ever existed. Mm-hmm. And then when one rolls in that is an Inquisitor, that her only reason for being there is she needs you to suffer. She mm-hmm. needs you to be afraid and she's going to sow fear and she is going to sow violence because she fucking needs it. She cannot survive right. without it. And so you've got guys that are like teenagers that have been in a few firefights. They've seen some things but they have never seen anything like this before. And when they come in behind, it's like he sees her after she's done it. And like, even the purge troopers are sort of like, get everybody out of here, get everybody out of here. It's not going to be good. Get everybody out of here. And so there's this real sense of like utter terror. And how do you recover from that? And then, yeah, like that was the thing that I wanted to do the most. And Tony was so good. She sounds so wow. mean when she's delivering her lines. That's great. So the Inquisitor was like, and I think that if the season one finale has like a really, really cool scene with her specifically. And you sort of, you know, she's bad. And he even describes her. He's like, he knows she's bad. But she's bad and she's on our side. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. she's our bad guy. Yeah. She's our villain. <clears throat> She'll protect us. And so it's like, even when he starts seeing what she does, he's like, I'm rooting for her, man. Because <laughs> she's keeping and so there's that that idea, like when we watch Star Wars and we watch Obi-Wan and Anakin go through and like destroy all these droids. Imagine if those were people. Yeah. <laughs> Would we think it was awesome then? No, and they're like, yeah. the force you fly <laughs> off of the building. Like you 19 year old kid that yeah. just picked the wrong side. You're gone now. I'm a Jedi. It's yeah. like, but that's what the Jedi did. Like yeah. legitimately, that's what they did. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I wanted to have those elements because I don't think Star Wars explore. They've given us all these things in the sandbox, mm-hmm. but they only take it two steps. And it's like, we all in the back of our heads know that this isn't all that we get. For sure. But I wanted to show that, you know? Yeah. And I love that you've taken it in a direction that you feel, you know, works for the story, right? Like, yeah. you're talking about the Inquisitors as sort of a an allegory for, for mental health and, and addiction, you know? And you're also talking about soldiers as well that are going through PTSD and, and, and you know, they have their own sort of trauma. I think there's, there's something really interesting about that dynamic and understanding mm-hmm. uh, what feeds the idea of wanting to, you know, be in a, a war or, or what, what, what keeps you going and, and, and whatnot. So I think that that's, that's great. Again, all of it really is drawn from something that feels real. And I think that that's, what's really refreshing about what you're doing with, with mud. Uh, so yeah, last, the last three episodes uh, are going to be going out. I think by the time that I post this episode, there might be two episodes left. Yeah. Cause I'll be posting it probably towards the end of this week. Uh, and um you know, with, it's going to be a really cool. The last two episodes are 
are really cool. I'm like excited. I think they're super cool, man. Well, I like I said, I, I have to I have to plow through. I'm hoping through the holiday break I can just sit down and, and find time to just listen. It's good to them. for driving. I know, I and find... I don't drive nearly as much. Yeah. Like I was driving a lot when I was listening to the first parts of, of season one. And then it just I haven't driven nearly as much. So you're totally right. Like commuting and 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 doing it's perfect for that. Um, cause you can really, you can really get immersed in it, uh, very, very easily. Um, but you have a season three, I think it's safe to say that's, that's in yes. the works. Do I got have, like, do you have like an ending though? Like, do you feel Oh like... no, I know exactly what I'm doing. Okay. Cool. Listen to this man. You want to know the, you want to know the whole thing? You want in? <laughs> so when I was first started working on, I was talking to, uh, Heather about it and I said like, I'm like, you know. And maybe one day that I'll get to do a comic or something. She goes, never going to happen. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, they won't, they won't. That's not what they do. They don't take fan projects and turn them into real things. She goes, but if you're smart, you'll use your fan project to build something that could exist within the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Because then without even realizing, you're going to be building and prepping and finding things and creating characters and environment for them. And so I have created an idea. There you go. That I can't really talk about, no, but for sure. it is an offshoot. And if you listen through the second season, specifically the it's the second last episode. No, the last episode of the Terracossi tournament like arc, and it's called a legionary champion. I I say without saying where things are going. Interesting. I okay. the, the I think that that run of the of the episodes with the big Terracossi tournament that sets up the entire ending of the whole series, and it's all there, and everything gets kind of dropped. But I don't say what's right. going to happen. You're hinting I just at it. Tease at what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, you know? that's good. That's good. That's good. Well, uh, it's available now. Mud seventy nine is available on on pretty much everywhere on podcast because yeah. I was checking it today uh, and you do have a site for it. I'm going to be putting all of that in our show notes for, you're the for best. our listeners so that they can, Thank they you. can check it out because you know, if you're a star Wars fan and I, I do mean this, uh, this is made for star Wars fans. This is, this is definitely made with a labor of love and an attention to detail. Uh, here's uh, a detail for you. When I say an E10 is blasting, yeah, that's an E10 sound effect. That's when and, I say it's an, an A22, it's an A22. And you got well, the actual sounds. You got yeah. all of them in there, and it's and that's what's so great. Like there's just there's such an attention to that detail that it's it literally paints a picture. Um, it reminds me of a another. Um, you probably might have heard of it. It's it's another podcast that's very similar. It's it's sort of a a storytelling uh, podcast. It's called Blockbuster. It's about uh, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, and it's told as a as a story about how they sort of built Hollywood. So you're following, oh, dude. I got to find that man. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> great. And then season two is about James Cameron and his his career as a director. So it's told in a way. And again, they they have a lot of specials for that episode as well, where they talk about the sound design and making taking specific elements to help tell the story about you know george lucas on his first day of set filming star wars or uh steven spielberg fumbling with this mechanical uh, shark on the set of jaws right so yeah. there's so much attention to that detail and honestly i mean it like this 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 mud 79 feels like it's it's you know it's perfect for star wars in that sort of radio style story that feels so orson wells and then it feels also incredibly 
refreshing because it it's it's bringing in new concepts it's bringing in fresh ideas that that, that star wars is playing with and i think mud 79 is is going further so yes for any of our star wars fans uh you you definitely want to check it out and uh it's it's available on all podcast feeds i do want to talk to you about uh this lovely thing i'm showing you the hardcover copy of of dead romans i'm still getting through it i'm, I'm through uh I, I, when I talked to you, I said I had finished the first two chapters. I'm, I'm halfway through three, and I'm going to finish yeah. the rest of it. But this is a beautiful piece of work. This is the full collection, the full hardcover. Uh, next time I see you, I've got to get you to sign it. And Nick as well. Jim Valentino is mad that I haven't talked about it. Buy Dead <laughs> Romans from Shadowline and Image. I appreciate and it. I also would love to just hit home the idea of buying the full uh, story. Like this full hardcover is Beautiful. Oh, it's great! It is. So... It's an oversized hardcover too, so it's like exactly a European-sized comic book. Like yes. it's a novel. It's. I was shocked, shocked that Shadowline and Image wanted to do a collector hardcover. It's and it, yeah, it's great. It's so beautiful, and it's the pages are so nice, and the drawings and the illustrations that Nick have done. You know, it just it's they're just so gorgeous. You know, recently I watched um, uh, Three Hundred. Uh, which, which I've got heard me, of. I've yes, heard of which you've before. heard of. And uh, I know we were talking about this at Wayside in, in uh, Newmarket when you were here about, you know, the potential for it. So, like, you know, I know you're thinking of it. Uh, you're obviously working on a second a second uh, run of, of part two of this story. Those art, those talks are happening. Um, I can't get really. No, of course. Into, but yes. We are talking with a production company that has done a lot of work with HBO about dead Romans right now for sure. And, and when I get okay, off the line good. with you, I'm going to work on <laughs> some stuff that I've been told to do for them. So yeah, to ensure that happens. Well, good. Because I, I like, that's what I was, that's what I was really getting at. <laughs> Having seen yeah. something like 300 and obviously Zack Snyder doing what he did with that Frank Miller story. Uh, this is a story that I think uh, deserves the same sort of uh, level of treatment because it is it is beautiful and uh, it, it 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 is it is so well done and there's it's such a a visual mastery that you and, and Nick have kind of have put here that I think would really transcend in, in a, in a Edward Berger is the guy that I want to do it okay, <laughs> okay. Edward Berger is the guy that I want attached to it awesome. and I have been very vocal that. Edward Berger, if you're listening, Dead Romans, you should do it. It'd be really good. Please do it. Yeah. Edward Berger. Yeah. But this, like I said, this has been your year, man. I, I'm congratulations on on doing the thing, getting getting this comic book out that I know, which was a labor of love, as well as Mud 79, man, because yeah. this is this is absolutely it's so great to see. Not just you know, uh, a, a Canadian talent, but a talent that, uh, you know, is a fellow geek like us and, yeah. uh, you know, someone that I, I've admired and you've, you've, you've been in, I, you know, when I was growing up in high school, hearing your voice on the radio, seeing you on Teletoon at night, man. So it's, it's been, uh, it's been a wild trip and I've been glad that this last, this last year we've been able to actually connect and get to know each other. Yeah, man. I, I really, you've been very supportive about dead Romans from the very beginning uh, and about um, Mud 79. So I, I'm super appreciative. Yeah. And, and, if he... and I'm telling you this if anything happens and it turns into a TV show, you're on the press call. You're in I'm, there. I'm for there, sure. man. Guaranteed. I'm there. Again, I'll in be person, there. In person, service, craft service tray, fruit snacks, you tell me, everything you want. You tell me where you want. Hey, you know what? Me and Nate were talking. If you do a season three, 
We would love to contribute voices to that immense voice cast. He says that he would even do. Uh, if you want some alien creatures, he can do that. He'll do. Let some me tell voice you because a lot of people die in the second season, so there's <laughs> going to be some openings for new characters. Awesome. Don't worry. Well, we're we're ready for for the for the call. So uh, again, I appreciate you taking the time to join us on the Geek Central podcast, man. man. Awesome. Well, that's it for this special behind the geeks episode with Fearless Fred, creator of Mud Seventy Nine, author of Dead Romans. Uh, everything's going to be in our show notes uh, so you can go check that out uh, if you enjoyed this episode feel free to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and hey we would love to hear from you uh, a five star review goes a long way or if you want you can reach out to us via email at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com that's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com or on twitter uh, formerly known as twitter it's now known as x it's uh, yeah exactly <laughs> there you go at geekcentricyt or on instagram at wearegeekcentric right now uh, we got uh, interviews out right now uh, one with uh, the cast of Percy Jackson I also have all my coverage from uh, Rebel Moon out now, including my interview with director Zack Snyder and the cast of the movie, which was conducted in L.A. I was out there for the premiere. We also have a Supercut episode with all of those interviews on in podcast form where me and Nate talk about that experience. And we have our spoiler-free review for Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, available now wherever you listen to podcasts. So go check that out before you see the movie or maybe after you see the movie, however you feel. Uh, so lots you to enjoy again fred thank you so much for joining us thank you man awesome until next time peace